we're, we're continuing in our sermon series called Three Years. And we're looking at the ministry of Jesus uh, that led up to the crucifixion, the resurrection, and what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. So that's where we're at this week. We're continuing this message. Um, as, I, as I title my, my notes, um, I always title it the same way. I title it with the sermon series, what week we're on, what the title of the series is. So it lays out this week, three years, week three, two brothers. So that's what we're looking at this week. That, that's the direction that we're heading this week. And so as we look at this, as we continue on through this series, um, the same points still apply. We're, we're looking at the three years that Jesus led his ministry um, from about the age of 30 until he was crucified around the age of 33. Um, and, and when we observe Jesus' teachings, there's four different ways that Jesus communicates with, with us and with the people of the time. Um, the first being through miracles. Jesus performed many miracles. Um, we, we saw one of his early miracles being turning water into wine during the celebration um, of the wedding. Um, we, we saw him raise people from the dead. We saw him heal the blind. Uh, we saw Jesus do a lot throughout the Gospels. And so he would perform these miracles, and, and it would always lead to those people going off and sharing the good news of Jesus. And sometimes he would tell them, go and share with everybody. Um, in the early days, he would say, you know, keep this to yourself. The, the next mode of, of lessons that he, would, that he would teach would be through preaching. He would preach messages. Um, last week, we observed uh, a portion of the Sermon on the Mount, but he would preach uh, and teach and bring people together. Of course, people were always flocking to Jesus. So he would take the time to present a message to them. Um, and whether it was just laying out good information or, or just preaching through a message, or he used other ways of preaching. Um, and that would include uh, individual lessons to, to specific people. Um, we, we know the story of the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do in order to gain the kingdom of God? He tells him, give up everything. That's an individual lesson that Jesus gave. And lastly, he would teach in parables. And that's what we're going to focus on today is one of the parables that Jesus taught. And, and parables were always used um, as a fictional story, but it would prove a theological point. It would prove a point to those who were listening. And so to kind of backtrack before we jump into it today, um, of course, week one, we talked about the official son, how Jesus, um, the, the, this official approached Jesus, Lord, my son is dying, please save him. And because Jesus could see this man's faith, he was able to save this man's son, but he was also able to lead the entire household to a relationship with him because of this amazing miracle that he was able to perform from many miles away. And within the story, we observed that as an individual lesson, both for this man and for those um, that he was able to save, as well as a miracle. And because of this, this man truly learned who Jesus was. He truly learned what Jesus was about, what he was sent here to do, and he was able to go and, and teach his family about this, and it saved the entire household. Last week, again, we observed a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we looked at a message where Jesus addressed the anxiety, this, this everyday stress that we carry with us. And, and in doing so, we, we looked at when we turn our worries over to him, when we take this, 
stress that we carry in our own lives, when we take this stress that's put on to us, whether it's through media or the news or whatever it is, that we can turn all that over to him. We can give it to him. We can rely on his faithfulness that he's shown to us over and over again. And we no longer have to keep that stress to ourselves. We're able to turn that over to him and, and just lay it at his feet and never to think about it again. So again, this week, we're going to look back over um, parables, that we're going to look back at a parable. And the thing about parables is that they were designed for anyone and everyone who was there listening uh, to be presented the same point at the same theological level. They were kind of a base level teaching so that it would, it would present to everybody the same way. But however, the point didn't always hit people the same way. And time and time again, Jesus would break away with his disciples after he would teach in a parable and would have to explain the meaning of what he meant by, by many of his teachings. And he would preach a parable, then they would go away on their own, and the disciples would request that Jesus elaborated. He, they would ask, you know, what did you mean by what you said? And so here we get a little explanation. And so as, as Jesus is coming out of um, teaching the parable of the sower, in Matthew 13, he's approached by his disciples after it, and they ask him a simple question. So today, real quick, we're going to pick up in Matthew 13 before we move on to our parable. But they ask him, Matthew 13, starting in verse 10, it says, Then the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the ones who has not, even what he will be, excuse me, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. He continues on in verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So Jesus is expressing to the disciples that the use of parables comes from the idea that not everyone is going to receive these messages the same way. That, that he's going to present this idea to all of them, but not all of them will receive it in the same way. We see this time and time again where we can read a verse, or we can read scripture, or we can dive into a lesson and, and see it one way one day, and then the next time we read the exact same scripture, God reveals something else to us. That's what he's saying here, that, that he presents this message, but not all of them are going to receive it the same way. Some of them aren't going to receive it at all. They're going to hear the words, they're going to take in the words, and they're going to go, you know what, that's not for me. And that's just part of human nature. That's part of free will. That, that we can take in this information, that we can take in all of this that Jesus is teaching us and still walk away from it. That we can hear the, the beauty of the gospel being presented to us and still not take it in. This is Jesus' justification for the use of parables. Not everyone will hear it the same way or take it in the same way. But God can and will speak through the hearts of those who are ready to accept it. He will speak to those who are ready to accept 
this message into their hearts. So when we observe parables, no matter what the lesson is, the way that God uses them will affect the hearts of those who hear it differently. Again, we can hear the exact same message preached to us, and God will speak to us differently every time. God will speak to you one way, or or something will stand out to you that doesn't necessarily stand out to me. But that's because God's working in your life different than he's working in my life. He's working in your heart different than he's working in my heart. And so that's the reason that he uses these parables. That's the reason that he presents this message as he does, is so that it can affect people in different ways. So today, as we look at one of the parables that I believe we've all probably heard once or twice before, and that's the parable of the prodigal son. And so as I've discussed last week or the last couple of weeks, I've kind of taken in some of these lessons of Jesus um, as how they have spe- spoken to me over my, my life and my ministry um, over the past several years. And, um, and this one speaks to me at a couple different points in my life. Um, the first being in how I do ministry, and the second being in how I respond to situations within my own life. But as we go along, I'll explain that a little more. So today, again, we're going to discuss the prodigal son, and that's found in Luke 15. We're going to start in verse 11. Um, of course, if you don't have your Bible with you, the words will be on the screen here for us. But here it is, Luke 15, starting in verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He divided the property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose across the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So the issue within this parable is presented very early. A young man decides that he wants to go party his life away. He asks his dad for his portion of the inheritance so he can go do whatever he wants to do with it. Dad agrees, son takes his money and all of his property and everything that he has, and he blows through it and ends up suffering and starving because of his actions. That's the, that's the issue we're presented with today. But he continues on, verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I will perish here with hunger. I will arise, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he arose and came to his father. So so the young man finally gains some sense. He he sees, "I, I have thoroughly, thoroughly screwed up. So he gathers everything that he has left, which probably isn't much. And he goes back home. I, maybe my father will understand and at least hire me on as a servant. He continues on. But while he was still off, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
So he makes good on his promise. He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell my father exactly this. And he does it. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let's eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead. (coughs) And alive, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. Such a beautiful conclusion. We have this this story. The son takes his inheritance. He goes away. He blows through all of it. He said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell my father I'm sorry. He's going to take me back in as a servant. I'm going to serve him for the rest of my days. But the father just takes him back in. He was lost to the father. He returns home. He, He wants to just be placed at a low position. But the father welcomed him back into his home just as he was before. And if this was the entire parable, if this was the entire lesson that we learned from, from Jesus at this point, it would be enough. We would have this beautiful story of, it doesn't matter how far you are away from the Father, you can always return. And that lesson is there, but there's a caveat. There's one more level that we need to observe. Continuing on in verse 24, now his older son was in the field, And as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. So his father came out and entreated him. And he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. Here's the human emotion that that I, I get in this moment. Absolutely right, he deserves to be angry. This this son, he he stayed faithful, he stayed in the home. His brother not only took half of of the property and took his part of the property, but he left half of his responsibility. He left half the responsibility for the farm and for everything that needed to be done. So not only did he get to go and party his life away, but now this other son had to pick up the slack. (coughs) He remained faithful. He remained involved in the family. He was there through everything. It's hard to not think that we would have responded the same way. In this situation, I think about back to my family. This would have been a disaster. <coughs> Excuse me. I would think, you, you know, you're not allowed to walk away from your responsibility within this family and, and come back to just doing exactly what we did before. That's the human emotion that I get in this moment. But... It, but here's the beauty of it. Here's, here's how the father responds. Because that's how I would respond as a brother. But here's how the father responds. And he said to him, Son, you were always with me. And at all times, mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be, be, be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. 
I would hope as a father that I would have a similar response. If one of my kids walked away from a relationship with me, I would hope that I would have this same, this same love and affection. But when you view it from the brother's point of view, it's like, yeah, I, justifiably, I would also be upset. He stepped away. I've been faithful. I've been involved. I've been doing what I've been told to do. And yet here we are. This would have been so much harder for me as the brother. But that's where the grace of this loving father and caring father comes in. One who continues to provide, who continues to be faithful, but will also drop everything and provide to the one that walked away. Jesus points exactly to how his father views us. Whether we've walked away and, and, and we return as, as filthy and begging or we stick around and let pride take over our lives. Because that's what this moment is. For, for this older brother, that's what the moment is. My pride is telling me that I deserve more because I've been faithful. My pride is telling me that I deserve more than my younger brother because I was here through it all. <coughs> so when we, when we view this story as a whole, we have two different points of views. We have two different conclusions that we can come up with. The first is you can never be too far away from the Father to return. That's the story that we always, that's the, that's the feeling we always get from this story. No matter what you've done in life, you were never too far away from the Father to come back to him. That's what Jesus is explaining with the first son. He took from his father, he went and lived this reckless, careless, crazy life. And when all else had fallen away and gone away, the money was gone, the fun was gone, everything was washed away, the Father was still there. This is how we should view ministry. This is how we should view the gospel. This is what the beautiful thing about Celebrate Recovery was, getting to participate and do that program for for the time that I got to do it. This This was the best part about that. It doesn't matter where you've been in life. God is always there for you. God will always take you back. You are never too far away from the Father to return. We think, but man, you don't know what I've done. You're right. You're right. I don't know what you've done. <coughs> I don't know where you've been. I don't know what actions you've been involved in. I, you're right. I do not know. But what I do know is I know the life of Paul. I know, I know that, 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 that as Saul, he was killing Christians and making a name for himself and just destroying, you're trying to destroy the early church. That was his mission. And if a man that was going around killing Christians can still be brought to the feet of Jesus, I really don't think there's anything in your life that's going to hold you back from him. You are never too far away from the Father to return to him. This is how we should view ministry. This is how we should view discipleship. When this idea is finally brought into our minds, we can realize how much that means for our witnessing. When we tell somebody, yeah, you know, I go to church and and here's here's what I believe. And they go, you know what, I've tried the church thing and I just, I've done too much. 
you are never too far away from the Father to return. If we held that true and dear to our hearts, then we could share the gospel with everybody. This is the cool thing about things like prison ministries and stuff like that, is that we can go into these places of just pure darkness. And even then, we can say to them, look, the Father still loves you no matter what. There are things in your life that's going to have to change. Yeah, that's true. There are things in your life that, that God's going to pull out of your life. There are things about you that, that God is going to reveal in your life and illuminate in your life, and it's going to lead to some change. You're right. But you are never too far away from him to have that salvation. When we present the gospel to people, this is how we should present it. It does not matter where you came from, what, what you've done, you are not too far to return. When, when I moved to Lubbock, that was one of the things that I was doing. Was I, Of course, I was running towards my beautiful wife. Uh, we were dating at the time. We were going to get married. I was running towards this relationship with everything I had. But at the same time, I was running from my calling. I was running from this calling that God had placed on my life at 16 years old. When I sat at a church camp in Durango, Colorado, and God told me, you're going to do ministry, get ready. And I said... I'm out of here. <laughs> I ran from it. I, I ran from it, and, and I, I knew that I was running from it. I would stand behind the bar that I worked at and just think, this is not where I needed to be. This is not where I'm supposed to be. I need to be preaching the gospel and presenting the message of Jesus Christ to people. This is not where I'm supposed to be. But the cool thing is, is that the relationships that I built during that time have led to some really cool conversations now. I have people reach out to me or comment or, or like stuff that I post or, or, or ask me questions that I wouldn't have had if I wouldn't have spent that time in Lubbock. But I was doing everything I could to run away from what God was calling me to do. But at no point was I ever too far away from it. At no point was I ever too removed from the Father to come back to him and him go, here's the path. Let's go. And I, I'll, I'll get back off of it and he'll pull me right back on. But when we view, when we view our lives in this way, it doesn't matter. It, God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God of grace and of love and of truth. It does not matter where you've been in life. It matters where he's taking you. So when we view God this way, that we are never too far away from him to return, that there is nobody too far away from him to return to him, it changes the way that we view people. It changes the way that we view the gospel. And it gives us this opportunity to continue to present it to everybody. He was lost, but he is found. Do you know how many times God has said that about us? We've walked away, we've done something, and, and all of a sudden we come back to him and go, God, I messed up. Yeah, you did, but that's okay. <clears throat> because as a God of forgiveness, that is what he does time and time again. On the flip side, we see the other brother. And what the other brother teaches us is that we are never too close to the Father to not stumble. 
Because we can be walking right alongside Jesus. We can be walking through our faith and through our journey and be very close with him. And our pride will spark up. Any issue that we have can spark up. Our greed, our our lust, whatever it is, it can spark up out of nowhere. This is why we guard our hearts. This is why we rely on Jesus for strength. Because each and every one of us has seen this time and time again. We've seen it in our own lives. We've also seen it on very big stages. We've seen pastors and, and, and leaders and, and all kinds of people stumble into sin. And, and we think, man, but they were so close to Jesus. But that's the human nature that we carry inside of us is that sometimes we get too familiar with God that that we start to slip. That we get too complacent in our faith and too complacent in our relationship that all of a sudden we just, we fall away or, or we misstep. But even then, he still has the same response to us. Everything that is his is ours. Everything, everything in this situation. Son, you were always with me, the father tells the second son. All that is mine is yours. That's always been the case. But when we, when we stumble and fall, he is still there to pick us up. We are never too close to not stumble. This is why we guard our hearts and protect our walks and, and rely on Jesus and do not get complacent. Because complacency leads to stumbling. And if we continue to stumble and we continue to fall down the same path, it just gets worse and worse and worse, and now we're the first son again. Now we've fallen away completely, and we're thinking we're too far removed. We can't let our faith get complacent in Jesus. We have to continue to pursue him as he continues to pursue us. Because that moment that, that we let any sort of complacency slip into our lives, we can start to fail. The moment that we let any sort of, of settle slip into our lives, we, we start to get just this comfort of, of complacency. We can slip and, and go right back down the same path. Pride is a big, big deal. Pride is, is one of those things in my life that I struggle with constantly. I think I, I deserve more than I have. You know, we go back to social media. I look at social media and I see this person taking a vacation here. And, you know, this person's at the beach and this person's in the mountains. And I'm here in Clovis, New Mexico. It's like, man, I deserve that kind of trip. I deserve that kind of life. And God goes, do you not see everything I'm doing? Do you not see everything I've provided? Do you not see everything I've given to you? Because my pride tells me I deserve so much more. And when we let that pride slip into our lives and we let that pride grow in our hearts, this is how it comes out. But the beauty is is that redemption is always possible. That even when we do stumble and fall, even if we do trip up in a situation, God is right there with us, no matter what. 
Which brings us to our last point. No matter the situation, the Father's love remains the same. It doesn't matter if we're the first son or we're the second son. We can also be right on the path with Jesus, walking alongside with him, and not stumble like this son did. No matter the situation that we're in, the Father's love remains the same. The Father's forgiveness remains the same. The Father's grace remains the same. That's the beauty of following Jesus. Is that if we give our faith and we give our hearts to him, he will do the rest. He's done it before. He continues to do it today, and he'll do it tomorrow. No matter the situation, the Father's love remains the same. If that doesn't bring you some sort of joy and happiness, I don't know what will. Because there are going to be times that we stumble and fall. There might even be times right now where we're completely removed from God, and we don't know how to get back to that. We don't know what we need to do to get back to the Father, but we know that we need to get back to Him. All you got to do is come to Him and ask. All this son had to do was make his way back to the Father, and the Father came running. Scripture tells us to draw near to Him, and He will draw near to us. All we have to do is reach out to the Father, because no matter what, His love remains the same. His grace remains the same. His forgiveness remains the same. You can put in any word there. He is the same yesterday as he is today as he will be tomorrow. And if you're here today and you've never experienced that love from Jesus, I encourage you to pursue him because I know that he's pursuing you. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you're feeling drawn to do that today, I encourage you to do it. Because there is no better place to be than in a relationship with the Father. Than to be walking down a path that is focused on glorifying Him and bringing people to His name and leading people to salvation.